Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like... Gotcha, or maybe... Dragon Flame! How about... Tatsuo! Ganido! Or... In the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientist and engineer spent the next 10 years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember... Our Star Blazers! Or this... The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood pools all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Or this. Gene, grappler ships dead ahead! It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it! Or... If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos. Or have you seen the latest episode of... And just like that, everything changed. At that terrible moment, in our hearts, we knew home was a pen. Humanity, cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at 2TrueFreaks.com and on iTunes under Two True Freaks Presents Anime Freaks. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? violate the treaty captain sir someone is stealing the enterprise what are you scratching at <laughs> humans make illogical decisions Starfleet, do you read? This is the Enterprise. We are under attack. Fire in the sky. 
Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. My name is Scott Gardner and joining me as always is my bestest friend, Chris Honeywell. Yeah. And this episode, <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and dive right the hell in because you guys are in for a real treat. Back by overwhelming popular demand, the captain himself, Uncle Randy. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> I'm glad to be back. <laughs> wait, I'm... wait till I tell you about that freaking stupid map that they had on the screen that showed the neutral zone. <laughs> it looked like somebody took a Cato marker all over a pizza box cover, and that was the map. <laughs> It might not have been the highest budget episode ever. <laughs> All that technology and they got triangles and circles marked on an old pizza box on where the Romulans are. Well, you know, that uh, I don't know if I made a note on that. So you bring up a great point. But um, something I was reading said that this apparently was the first one of the enhanced episodes. And I don't know which version you guys watched. If you watched the original version of the enhanced, I watched the enhanced one. I watched both, man. Oh, did you? Yeah. I was, I got to admit, I was a little disappointed, particularly in the map that Randy brings up because <laughs> they did not do like, much in the enhanced yeah, version. Why the hell didn't they? <laughs> they just give cleaned you up the pizza digital... box. You couldn't see, you couldn't see dominoes on it anymore, but that was about <laughs> it. Oh, <laughs> uh, very true. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves real quick before we, uh, we dive into the episode. We're, uh, we have some shout outs to give. We've uh, received more awesome Star Trek swag. And as always, we really appreciate that. So, uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and take the lead on this? Well, my, my swag that I got from a, from a listener, I almost said reader, but he's a reader because he sent me a book. <laughs> he sent me a bunch of comics, and I'll, I'll hit those in, in Comics Monthly Monday. But one of the books he sent me is a nice trade-sized copy of The World of Star Trek by David Gerald. Ooh. And uh, it's the updated and revised edition, so updated to Star Trek Three. So it was <laughs> updated to what when we were like twelve years old or thirteen years old, which is Star more updated. Three that was what eighty eighty four something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that we would have been about sixteen, I guess. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. So yeah, thirty years old, but it's it's the most updated version I have. So it's awesome, awesome. And I've been shopping on eBay. Because uh -oh. Scott Rifen, Mr. Complete Collection, when I was like, oh, I got all the Star Trek books now, I got Star Trek 11 on the way, he corrected me and told me there was a Star Trek 12 <laughs> that was half writ written by James Blish and half written by his widow. And then there was Mud's Angels, one which I have absolutely zero desire to read. <laughs> that has the two Mud episodes and a third Mud episode in it. And for legal reasons, it doesn't have the animated mud episode in it, so it's not a complete mud collection. God damn it! Tell me he dies or gets like kicked in the nads. You or something. know he doesn't. You know he doesn't. Randy, you don't. I can't remember. Do you like Harry Mud? No. Okay, I didn't. I didn't think you did. I, I thought that episode called "I Mud" should be called "I Suck." <laughs> 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 Tell us what you really think about that. 
So I'm in, in completing those, I got two other just, you know, random thrown into lots of books on eBay. I got another David Gerald book, Star Trek Adventure, called The Galactic Whirlpool, which I have, I remember that one. I have yeah. no idea what it's about. And then the classic, this is the one that probably almost every Star Trek fan had that wanted Star Trek books, Spock Must Die. Ah. I finally got a copy of it. It's got the Organians in it, is all I know. Ooh, cool. And then I was garage sailing with Scotty McGregor, and the next thing I know, he's waving a book in my face with a Gorn on the cover called The Monsters of Star Trek, which, of course, he kept for himself. That's another one that, uh, well, uh, I'll hold off on that. But then, then, <laughs> then, like, 30 seconds later, Mike Cross walks over and hands me another copy of the book and said, is this something you'd be interested in? <laughs> so 25 cents for The Monsters of Star Trek. Although when you look at it, it's all black and white. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll have pictures, although I'm flipping through it right now. And all the pictures are like the space amoeba, the flying parasites, which are the pizza creatures. Right. You see them from like a long <laughs> way off. Um, the Horda. And it's like a close-up of the Horda. So everything is just like a blob, <laughs> you know? It's got the, it's got the, the you know, the, the companion in it. And it's just like the companion, you see a few, you see the ground, you see a few leaves on a tree, and then you see a white blob. So it's, <laughs> it's really weird. It's got the yai neck in it from the Lincoln planet. And he yai just neck. looks like a blob of rocks. So, but, hey, 25 cents, man. It's got the Gorn on the cover. It's got the salt vampire, and she's laying face down on the ground. <laughs> so she's shy. <laughs> She's resting. It does have rock in it, so. Rock. Go rock yourself. It's got a Tholian, which looks like a crystal with, you know, two glowing eyes on it. It's it's just weird. But I remember this from elementary school, like in the elementary school library. But that's all my Star Trek swag. Rock sounds like something Scooby-Doo would say when he gets really upset. <laughs> what the rock? Rock! Rock it, Raggy! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention uh, the, you know, some of those books you were talking about, Spock Must Die. And, man, I'd forgotten about the Monsters of Trek because uh, I was just listening to an old episode of Star Trek Monthly Monday. This was just a couple of days ago in the car. Um it's an episode from, gosh, it's it three years ago, just about three years ago. It's like three years ago last month, I think, because I was hunting up an old episode, hoping I could find it, and I did. Do you remember when I went to uh, Kennedy Space Center? Yes. Uh, and, Lo and Logan and I went, and I gave that report on it. Yeah. Uh, where actually, I can't believe that was three years ago Three years already. ago. It was three years ago. Um, but Logan... Uh, because of the grades that he got in school last, uh, the last grade that he was in before he started ninth grade, uh, as, as part of the, uh, the thing like the teachers would give to the students that got really good grades and stuff for summer vacation, they gave them tickets that are essentially, uh, it was a free admission with a full paid adult admission to Kennedy. So I've been promising him all summer long that we would go to Kennedy. And because of different things, we just haven't had the time to go. But 
if everything works out all right, then next weekend, which by the time the guys will be hearing this, it'll be like a month ago. Right. But, um, you know, next weekend as we record this, if everything works out right, uh, he and I are going to go. And he actually has a Friday off of school. And then I'm always off on Fridays and Saturdays. So we're actually going to go and we're planning to spend two days there. And so I'm hoping that the tickets work the way that they worked when we went before, which was we had two days admission and didn't even know it because we paid for one day. But you got two, you know, you got a free day with one paid admission. But we didn't know until we were leaving. It was like, ah, crap. Or actually, I think we found out later. I think my wife was like reading over the tickets and going, hey, did you know you had another day on these tickets? But you had to go uh, consecutively. So we didn't even know. So there was as awesome as it was and as much stuff as there was that we did, there was that much more stuff that we never got to do because I never got to go to like the vehicle assembly building and stuff like that. So we're really jazzed. We're really looking forward to it. And I, we just started watching um, From the Earth to the Moon to uh, to kind of get up to speed or you know, get him up to speed on it. I've to the moon, Alice. <laughs> I could practically quote you the thing. I've seen it so many times. But uh, But anyway, the reason I bring that up is that in that episode – at the beginning of it, before I start talking about going to Kennedy, you and I were talking about Star Trek books in that episode. I can't remember why, how we were on the subject or why we were on the subject. I think you'd scored some at a yard sale or something. And we started talking about the older Star Trek books like Spock Must Die and all these others. And I was telling the story about how somehow... Uh, I had lost almost all of my classic yeah. Star Trek books from like the pre the motion picture era. And that was one I'd forgotten. You had about. a so lot you just of them. I did. Yeah, I had just about all of them. And well, the funny thing is I hadn't really read many of them, but I had them in the collection, you know, intending to read them one day. And, and the one that you just mentioned a moment ago, the was a Galactic Whirlpool was mm-hmm. one of them I'd never read. Um, but I do distinctly remember the monsters of Star Trek because the copy I had was like a fifteenth printing or something, and it had the Gorn on the cover. Yeah, that's what I probably is that the one you've got. Yeah, yeah, I, I always liked that book. I thought that was cool. But anyway, I, I don't want to take too much time away from uh, the rest of our episode because uh, we do have our special guest, and I want to get into that. But real quick, before we get into that. Now, did you tell who sent you the, was, the books that you got? It was Michael Sedurlo. I think he sent him out of guilt for getting to meet you <laughs> while I was all the way up here in, in western New York. Yeah, Michael was here recently with his, uh, with his lovely family, and we got to hang out for a little while um, in Epcot while uh, he was here visiting at, uh, at Walt Disney World. And uh, Michael's a great guy. Just He was a heck of a lot of fun, and, and uh, it was really great to get to hang out with him. We got to ride uh, the Maelstrom, and then not long after we rode it, we uh, found out there was a recent uh, announcement that they're closing it. As you guys hear this, it's done. It's closed. So it was, it was nice to go and be able to ride that with him and everything. But uh, while we met up, he hooked me up with this big old stack of swag. And, man, there's some really, really cool stuff in here. And I just wanted to cover it just real briefly, and then we'll get into the rest of the show here. But uh, he hooked me up with a copy of Star Trek Unlimited. This is the the Marvel Comics um, comic book series that they did there uh, back in 98. But this is issue number seven. This is the one I've been trying to find where uh, Picard and Kirk switch enterprises. Because it's a, a it's like a game or a yes. challenge between, I think, Trelane and Q, I, I think. I have that one. switch. I really want to uh, read that, and uh, once I do, I think we need to cover it on the show. I got 
Now, it didn't give the number on here anywhere, and he uh, this is actually in plastic with a uh, backer board and everything, so it wasn't until I got home later and I pulled it out of the bag and was looking through it that I realized that this is issue one. But he gave me issue one of Enterprise, which is a fanzine from back in the day. This is back in the, I think in the 80s. Oh, cool. Sure, like 84 or something. Yeah. And on the cover, it has uh, Spock giving a mind melt to Doctor Who. And it has the story in it where Doctor Who's TARDIS lands on the bridge of the Enterprise and everything. And there's that little crossover. I have long wanted to read that story. So I'm really looking forward to that. Here you go, Chris. This will make you jealous. Star right. Trek. Giant poster book, Voyage Ooh. 8, with Dr. McCoy on the cover. And I th assumed that the picture on the cover was the poster, but it's not. You fold it out, and it's a classic uh, shot of the crew. Really cool. Great shape on that one, too. Uh, 25 years of Star Trek, one of those giant anniversary specials. Uh, this is from right around the time that uh, Next Gen was brand new and in their first or second season. And uh, I think Star Trek V was just out at the, at the theater and everything. And... This was one of the great ones here. This is the one I was most excited about. Star Trek, Star, uh, excuse me, uh, Space Flight, rather. I was going to say Star, Star Flight, Space Flight Chronology by uh, Stan and Fred Goldstein. With, yeah, uh, you were telling me about that one. Man, this is so cool. So cool because it starts off as a pretty uh, faithful uh, encapsulation of real early space flight, you know, going from Mercury through Apollo and everything. And then, of course, once you get past a certain point, everything is the future. And there's real pictures in here and illustrates a beautifully illustrated, you know, with rich uh, painted pictures and everything. Details about some of the ships and the missions. And I just geek out about stuff like yeah. this, man. So this is really, really cool. And, uh, one that I did not have in my collection. I can remember seeing this years ago when I was a kid, but I never had gotten a copy of it, and I'd kind of forgotten about it until he gave it to me. So that I thought that was really cool. And then, I know you love these, he gave me two original Star Trek photo novels. Nice. He gave me number three, The Trouble with Tribbles, which actually it turns out I have this one. And I think you said you have it, too. So I'm going to actually offer this one up to Randy. If he wants a copy of it, I'd be happy to send it to him. Yeah, absolutely. I'd appreciate uh, that. And he gave me this one you can't have. <laughs> Number 12, A Mock Time. <laughs> it's got uh, oh, wow. Kirk and Spock are on the cover. And Kirk has actually got the upper hand. He's pressing that, uh, what do they call those those things with the big blade on them? I can't remember what they called them. But he's pressing that thing down on Spock's throat and he's it has a word balloon, you know, because they were done like comic book style using snapshots from the episodes. And Kirk is thinking, Spock must kill me if he can. I love it. That is so much fun. And this one I don't have. I've never had. Uh, I think what I've got is uh, I've got one of those slipcase editions and it has like, I think, four of them in it. And I think it's just the first four, whatever the first four photo novels that they did. So I never had more than just those first four. And this one is number 12. So this is really cool. I'm going to have to start seeking these out and, and trying to build a complete collection. They're not I that really expensive. Kind of... You can find them around. They put out a, a lot of copies of them. So there's some nice little box set sets of them, too. I have almost all of them. I think I need like three or four of them. 
I know they have they have weird ones like um, a piece of the action and stuff like that. You know, the right. weird and uh, the one with the with the companion in it. Oh, uh, that okay. one. That are that are very like, not very visually stimulating. You know, there's just a lot of pictures <laughs> of, of people standing around talking to each other. They actually have trivia in the back of them. I didn't even know that before. They're, at least this one does. Anyway, I'm looking at the back of number twelve. There's actually like a, like an index, or not an index, but a glossary page. Mm-hmm. And then there's yeah. uh, it's ten trivia questions. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I like that. And real quick, I also this Jesus. Goes one more thing. This one's actually from uh, Mark Comback sent me this a while back, and I just hadn't had a chance to give him the shout out yet. He sent me the, it's a big oversized, it's got this really cool like foil embossed cover, and uh, it's the 35th anniversary tribute uh, edition of TV Guide of Star Trek, and it's got uh, Kirk Picard and Janeway on the cover, and it's really cool. So that was really nice too. But uh, really appreciate the swag, guys. Keep it coming. <laughs> but with that, we are good to go. We're going to go ahead and dive into Balance of Terror. Ep- Balance of Terror. And you know what? I am so ill-prepared because I don't have my synopsis in front of me. Hang on just a second here. Jesus. I know it. You'd think after... We invite a guest on, man, and you have this sort of slipshod attitude. Yeah, Matt, right? I think he's drinking again. <laughs> not, not yet, but you keep it up, man. I'll tell you what. All right, here we go. This is, is from any the... way to treat your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> this is from the Nitpicker's Guide for Classic Trekkers by Phil Ferrand. We've got Balance of Terror. This is a great classic uh, first season episode here. It says, patrolling near the neutral zone, the Enterprise loses contact with Earth Outpost 2 and 3. Established by subspace treaty a century ago, the zone defines a no man's land between the Federation and the Romulan Empire. Earth set up the outpost to monitor the area for violations. Suddenly a vessel appears near Earth Outpost 4 and fires a glowing uh, plasma ball that destroys it. Afterward, the uh, the craft simply fades from view. When motion sensors show the craft heading back to the neutral zone, Kirk decides it must be a Romulan with a cloaking device. Spock captures a picture of the Romulan bridge and recommends immediate attack. Evidently, the Romulans are a Vulcan offshoot and still warlike. All they will understand is strength. This is a stupid synopsis. (laughs) After an intricate battle of move and counter move, Kirk comes out victorious. And of course he does. It's Kirk. And offers the beam uh, to beam the Romulans from their crippled vessel. The commander simply replies, that isn't their way, and pulls the lever that destroys his ship. (laughs) That's a pretty serviceable synopsis. Straightforward. Yeah, it's not particularly uh, exciting. And I think this episode is exciting. I really do. Oh, it's kind of like the Wrath of Khan in a way. It just sort of the, the submarine chase show. Yeah. It's funny you should say that. That's one of my first notes is that uh, I think that, you know, it, it's probably arguable, of course. But I think this is perhaps the closest episode in feeling to Wrath of Khan. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think the Catherine the Romulans uh, 
um, kind of gives you that wrath uh, uh, of Khan feeling. You know, he's mm-hmm. intelligent. I mean, he he's, uh, anticipates Kurt's next moves and stuff like that. So it is. I, I, I really like the episode. Now, do you have some uh, notes on this one? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, go ahead. Run with your notes. Guess first. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, you know, the, the first thing was the math. I got a kick out of that. I thought that that was funny. I thought, you know, uh, futuristic uh, technology, and they're looking at the map on a, a handwritten map of uh, you know, on top of a pizza box. <laughs> <laughs> and, but uh, also I thought what was interesting, I'd never paid attention to it before, but uh, all those uh, Earth outposts were were done. They were constructed on asteroids, and I didn't right. remember that. I thought that that was pretty cool. I didn't remember that either. I thought they were on like planets or moons or something like that. Yeah, they're all constructed on asteroids, which I was wondering how they did that and stuff like that. But I thought that was kind of neat. I had a case of asteroids once. <laughs> Those were Klingons. <laughs> Klingon <Yeah>. asteroids. <laughs> the next thing that I notated was that uh, I thought it was interesting, and, and I don't know, I, I, I thought it was kind of a little far-fetched, but um, they said that the treaties with the Romulans were uh, written uh, and done over subspace radio. And I got to thinking to myself, you know, that, that, I don't know, that don't sound, you know, realistic, I guess. Fast, but, yeah, I know. It's Well, it's just like the map, man. You got better maps on your cell phone now, you know, to, yeah, just, you, know. you know, on TomTom in your car or Siri or whatever people have, you know. It's just, it was weird, you know, and, and they know exactly where the, uh, you know, the outposts are, and they know exactly where the neutral zone is and all this, and it's just, there must have been some pretty good damn uh, sub uh, sub subspace radio transmissions to make all those arrangements and map that stuff out. I don't even think Columbus knew where he was going. No, they just pointed themselves in a direction in those days. Sort of like Hash, man, but they made it wherever they had to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll find my way, you fuckers. Yeah. Uh, was I supposed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> but then it goes on, and, and it's it's funny because uh, that Mr. Styles, that guy's got to go. He needed to die in that episode because oh, yeah. he was a freaking dork. Yeah, you, you know, it's funny you mention him. There's a guy in the DC uh, comic Star Trek that Scott and I were reading called uh, Lieutenant Bearclaw. Yeah. And Styles is basically like Lieutenant Bearclaw, just a just a kind of a bigoted prick. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing about it, guys, is that, uh, you know, in watching that, he, he makes that point uh, about, uh, well, there might be a spy on the ship. They've never seen them. They don't know what they look like, and they don't even, they've never, you know, intruded into our space, but somehow they could have a spy on board. <laughs> yeah, well, then all of a sudden he's looking at Mr. Spock cross-eyed, just like, aha. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Spock must be the spy. I thought that that was kind of goofy. You know, it's it's like, and then, of course, uh, uh, 
know, Sulu agrees, and so Kurt follows his uh, his uh, you know decision, and, and then says to switch it to I forget what it was called, like security safety or something like that. I just thought that that was kind of dorky. <laughs> I kind of got the feeling that Sulu did that just to try to diffuse the situation a little bit. You know what I mean? Because if you watch his, his, the look on his face and the body language and all, it's almost like he's anticipating Kirk Deckett uh, guy. Yeah, like a confrontation between... I would uh, like to have seen that, actually. Yeah, yeah, I would too. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that that, that, you know, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, it was but like it was Sulu. funny, you know, it's one of those times I, I don't ever recall. And, and of course I could be wrong. Obviously I'm wrong a lot, but I think that, uh, that might be one of the few times where Kirk, uh, kind of, uh, stepped back a little bit and listened to his crew on their decisions and, and went with what they thought was best, which is kind of neat. Yeah. He kind of went from wanting to deck the guy to like, all right, <laughs> all right, we're <laughs> yeah, going to play yeah. it your way, you know. But, I mean, that was kind of a smart decision, too, at that point. But Kirk was just going to let it go to as far as it could go before he went went there. But when he went there, he was, like, equipped to kick ass, you know. He he was arming the phasers and slinging torpedoes. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. I, I like this because it was just, you know, it was basically a shootout, and you, and you didn't get that yeah. much. It's a good action one. I, I really like that. I like it was one of the episodes where you actually saw a lot of uh, phaser fire and all that kind of stuff. So that was really neat. And I always liked the fact that the Romulans had the cloaking device. I just thought that you know that was so cool. And and it's amazing. You know, you think about it, and and it's one of those things you thought probably back then that oh my god, this is so far fetched. But God, it's it's a reality basically. Yeah. You know? It's just so cool. But uh, then as it went on, um, you know, I, I got a kick out of Spock, too, and some of the parts of it, uh, talking about uh, the transmissions end from that one outpost, it, it got um, blown apart, and, you know, the camera pans in on Spock's face, and he says it was pulverized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of rubbing it in a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was like, Come on, he ain't got a more technical term than it was pulverized. <laughs> they were smoked, Captain. <laughs> it was cream. <laughs> yeah, outpost four disintegrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's foobar, Captain. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I. <laughs> the next thing I noticed, and I think you guys will get a kick out of this: the kid that's going to marry the girl. I don't know about you guys, but if you look and watch an episode of Green Acres, I think that was F. Dawson. Oh, God, I got to watch that again. <laughs> I love Green Acres, man. He played a great kidding. idiot as F. Dawson, too. <laughs> it's so funny. I looked at that guy and said, oh, God, they're going to laugh. Yeah, he looks like F. Dawson. <laughs> well, that's, why, that's why they had... That explains why I saw Arnold the Talking Pig in the background in that one shot. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what's up with that. Uh, Arnold Ziffel. Oh, and then one of my favorite parts of it, yeah, Arnold Ziffel. One of my favorite parts of it, too, was when um, the captain of the other ship that uh, warns him that uh, the Romulans were the ones who attacked his name is Hanson. And you ever look at it, his faces he makes, and 
when when the the ship is kind of coming and all that, he makes the dorkiest faces. Oh, yeah. It's like he's got got to take a shit or something before the ship blows up. He's panting like a dog or something. His mouth's hanging open. He's <laughs> yeah. yeah, he looks like an old old drunk or something. Well, maybe he maybe he drank some Romulan ale before they blew his ass apart or something. I don't know. Right, you know, but there's the, nothing to do on those asteroids after a couple of years. You start partying there, you know. <laughs> Sorry, and brandy. And it's like. You know, you think about Kirk as kind of cool and calm and kind of a, you know, got somebody you'd picture being a starship captain. Then you have this Gomer uh, makes these dorky faces, and he just tries. He looks like an old hermit <laughs> that they put him put into the, <laughs> con- controlling that that uh, space station or whatever. Thought that was funny. Um, let me see what else. <laughs> Oh, yeah. One of the other things, um, the Romulans, they, they uh, hit the Enterprise, right? And the fire sparks and, and Spock jumps down like uh, uh, a technician to put out the fire and stuff. And what I was noticing is that uh, he says, because they go to fire the phasers and they don't work, and, and uh, Spock goes, uh, phasers are out inoperable or something like that and, and Kirk goes uh, how long will it be fixed or we need phasers or something like that and Spock goes it's impossible Captain well the steam goes away and it would have been like to a television commercial and then it comes back on and all of a sudden Spock tells Kirk about a minute later that phasers are ready they're operable <laughs> thank God <laughs> for commercials I was going to say Jesus Christ what did he do in that commercial break to save the, you know, his burnout wires and everything? And the next thing you know, they can operate their phasers. I thought that that was a little corny myself. But, you know, obviously they had to do it for the show. But you know what I mean? It's just yeah. one of those things you catch when you watch him over and over again. See that, God damn, he was a pretty handy repairman. Scotty <laughs> just whipped up during the commercial. <laughs> yeah. Whipped back out right in time. Jesus. Uh, Let's see what else here. Uh, And uh, (laughs) they got all this, uh, you know, wonderful modern equipment and everything, and uh, all of a sudden they lose the the ship. They lost the Romulan vessel there for a short period of time. And, uh, you know, all... It's funny because they shoot out and dispose of all that junk, space debris or whatever, and that tricks them. And and uh, the next thing you know, the junk surprises them, and that's what they think was the ship, and the ship has disappeared. It's like, you mean to tell me they couldn't tell the difference between a spaceship and, and some old junk? Dude, glad bags <laughs> floating in space. And... <laughs> yeah, all this detailed stuff. They even knew there was a body flying in space. Oh, that's right. They couldn't tell the difference between that and a spaceship. Oh, God, I would thought that was funny, too. <laughs> you tin cans in a body. Yeah, yeah. Then the next one's a nuclear bomb, but all it does is a little shrapnel to the outside of the Enterprise. Oh, this one was great too. Um, when they first see the uh, uh, bridge of the Romulan ship, it's funny because they zoom in on their cameras, and all of a sudden the Romulan commander just happens to do a uh, up close. Yeah. Right 
outside of the face profile for the camera. Yeah, there's like there's a guy in the Romulan ship like editing the the the, the video camera. On the wall. Yeah, yeah, they do it. I noticed that too. That he comes walking up to the camera, and it's like it's just so convenient that it has to, you know, be right on the on his face, and they get to see his face and the pimple on his chin and everything. Yeah, yeah. They were messing up all sorts of stuff because there was a scene where they had where they had the captain or the guy on the asteroid, and the Romulans are shooting at him, and Kirk asks him to sh- switch to their camera. And you see, like, the Romulan ship shoot at them, and everything blows up. And apparently they have their TV screen turned up so high that it blinds everybody on the Enterprise. <laughs> I know, right? And then, <laughs> and then, like, five minutes later, they're they're looking through that same camera again at the Romulan ship. And it's just like, wait, didn't that just get blown to, to smithereens? Didn't it just get pulverized? But somehow yet they're still looking at the camera on it. I guess they just figured nobody would notice. Or the zooms. They always do that. Whenever there's like they they like camera in on a planet that someone's at, there's always like dramatic cuts back and forth and 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 zooms and nice lighting on all the the hot actresses' faces. Well, as much as I've always loved this episode, this is also one of the ones that's always bugged me the most as far as some of the mechanics of the story, as far as the technology, just don't hold up under any scrutiny at all. It has bugged me since we were kids, that part where Spock is somehow miraculously able to tap into their bridge to get a picture of, yeah. of what they... And I'm like, how the hell does that work? And they never know, do it again in any other episode when it would come in really hey, friggin' handy hey, to be ben, able to spy on the other guys. Pretty they can't la- do it. Later on, Spock is able to tap into future computers from the past. You know, it's oh, I know. the edge of forever. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. He can just sort of tap into anything if he's got a few MacGyver wires. <laughs> I uh, know it's funny. It's yeah, funny. They, they've never seen a Romulan, never seen their ship, know nothing of their technology, yet he's already <laughs> got a spy cam. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he walks straight up and does a close, close proximity yeah. face of shot for him. Usually you, what you would expect is like a little camera up in the corner and you'd see the captain standing way in the corner and you'd hear like, it's like, what, what the hell yeah, I know, right? I don't know. He's speaking in English, though. It's a good thing. <laughs> kind of looks. Um, I'm wondering if uh, you know. Obviously, they didn't know that Mark Leonard was going to play Spock's dad, but it's fun to watch it and think Spock's looking at this guy going, "Is that my dad?" Dad. <laughs> that looks just like my dad. I know. I better not tell these guys, or they're going to definitely think I'm a spy. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that's funny. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just trying to think, you know, looking here. Um, uh, I thought it was interesting, too, uh, you know, that, that they you know, had this uh, uh, comet trail that they could use and uh, all this different stuff and a parallel course and it just, you know, stuff that was just convenient that they happened to you know stumble across to this one episode to to make it work for them it was it was pretty funny yeah kirk discovers like half of his little tactical tricks in this episode right yeah screwing with (laughs) those 
But I like how funny. they get on the I know how how the other one thinks, and then they're double thinking, you know, double cr tr double crossing and triple crossing each other. Oh, I know. It's funny. It's funny, you know, that, that uh, you know, they, they second. It's like a chess match or something. It was really funny. Really good. I mean, I do. I, all in all, I, I really like the episode. I've, I've liked that episode since I was a mm -hmm. kid. I think it had a little bit of, uh, like, when I was a kid, uh, I used to like, uh, you know, that, that part when you first saw the Romulans and it was exciting and it was new and cool and different. But it is amazing when you go back and watch these from time to time and see, you know, um, you know how much of the stuff is accurate and, and how much of the stuff is just, wow, they, they, were, they were way off there, you know? <laughs> Well, but I, this this was one of those episodes that I I definitely you know can sit and watch and, and watch it again in the future and stuff like that. I mean, some of the episodes are just horrible, but this is a good one. I I always like this one. My favorite thing in this episode was that I found out that Romulans have their ceilings are made of plaster. <laughs> I never did that. I know, right? <laughs> Flying know. around in a, in a futuristic spaceship, and you've got like plaster like falling off the roof, like somebody's having a party upstairs or something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the music's too loud. Yeah, every every time they get they take a hit, there's all that dust and shit that falls on. I'm thinking, when was the last time you cleaned that air? Yeah, vent, Jesus, anyway? come on. Where's all that dust coming from in space? It's not coming. They no, shed a lot. Shouldn't they be wearing asbestos masks? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I know it's funny. It's just looking at that stuff. Uh, God, it was funny. Some of the things that they do and on that show. See, I haven't watched that since, like, probably, probably when we were watching them on Channel 11. Oh, wow. And when it first came on, I was just like... Oh, that's right. It starts out with a wedding, and then you see the bride and the groom, and they're the most like innocent-looking, doofy, impies. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know somebody's gonna die, and you know it's gonna be the groom probably because the 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 bride has that that she has that Star Trek actress face that means she's gonna cry sometime. She looks yeah. like she looks like that woman in the one episode who aged. Prematurely, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so it sort of has a little bit of the land of the lost um, Chaka face, you know. <laughs> Manchi Chi going on, you know. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, it might be her because she was in other episodes, right? Right. This one because I think she's she... really short, you know. Yeah, and that was yeah. that was one of the things that that I think gave it away. She's like really tiny actress. But you knew so as soon as they have a wedding and it goes to red alert, it's just like, oh. <laughs> no, I would have, if in real life, I would have been asking Captain to send me down to the shore because I know I'm going to die if I don't. Yeah, just lock me, <laughs> yeah, lock me into a sealed chamber. So, Well, see, that begs the question, is this really the best time to have a wedding when you're headed into a potential <laughs> to the you know, neutral galactic zone. war might be breaking out at any goddamn minute? <laughs> no, right? Nice goddamn time to be having a wedding. Sound like Lance. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this was, maybe they had like booked it six months ahead of time yeah. and this was like the only time that they could do it or something, I guess, but still. Better than during the Pond Far. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it would have been actually even better during the Enemy Within if they got the evil Kirk to do the wedding. Grabs. Right. <laughs> oh, just God, I love that episode. That's one of my favorites. Speaking of just a minute, man, they were definitely working that her, Kirk and Janice Rand were oh, I know, working I, up I know. this one. Yeah. Well, I thought that that was funny, too, because she comes in the room to see if she can help them, and I'm thinking... You know, he's going to tell her, yeah, why don't you come on over here and rub me down? That's what but, I think uh, she was coming in. I think maybe she's helped him before is what they were trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, is and, the you captain know, kind of tense today? <laughs> and the captain's getting ready to, to, you know, come up and greet her. And Does he have, like, his shirt off with right the towel in. over his neck, the classic Kirk, like? <laughs> I know, right? No, he didn't in this one. Well, I know what you mean. Yeah, a lot of times he's 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 uh he's got, he's got his shirt off and the towel around his neck and sweating and that's right his chest his chest all shiny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because she comes in to greet him and then just a few seconds after that, friggin' McCoy comes in unannounced. Yeah, yeah. And then I McCoy was he could obviously tell he was just like oh shit. Yeah, I just walked in on some something I shouldn't have been seeing. <laughs> Kirk doesn't care. Yeah, and then when they think they're gonna blow up, he's just like, "Come here, baby." <laughs> is is this her last episode? I don't of- know. She doesn't last. No, because this is this is first season. When was Miri? Because she was in Miri. Yeah, I think Miri's before this. One, okay, I think I'm scrambling to look here. What real about quick. the enemy within? She's in the enemy within. Yeah, that was episode like number five, though. That was an early one. You would think that would be the last one she would be on because you think that would be the one that she'd be like. Oh, I know after he attacked it. <laughs> she quickly gets transferred. Yeah. Well, she's gonna file a sexual harassment yeah. suit. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Away from the space lawyers. <laughs> they had her. They had her take over the job that Finney used to have, and made sure she met with an unfortunate accident or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn, I'm looking at two different websites, and I cannot find out what the hell her last episode was. But something tells me that this was her last one, but I, I'm just not seeing it here. But I, I thought this was her last one. I, I could be wrong. Oh, and I meant to tell you, too, I was looking over here on my notes, and I thought that the comment was funny. Uh, kind of looked like a flashlight in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the comment, they definitely improved that in the in the remastered version. They, oh, do they? Oh, it, it, oh yeah, it, it looks definitely really looks good. a, a yeah. lot better. That's, like, probably the best, like, special effects tweak they did. They didn't, yeah. you know, they didn't really, like, do an, they just cleaned up, like, the Enterprise and the Romulans and stuff, but they didn't really, like, jazz up the space battle too much, which was kind of cool, you know? It, it was it was sort of a classic Star Trek, you know, yeah. two yeah. spaceships just sort of slow moving. I like, in, I like, though, when the Enterprise gets hit, they show it sort of tipped at an angle. It's like, right. It was an angle it like you were gaining water in space or something. <laughs> no. Well, and if you watch just before they show the uh, Enterprise tilt, uh, Uhura flies upward and she is like holding herself against the wall and, and just 
common sense would tell you that she couldn't have felt that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, she saw the opposite direction. Have you guys seen... They have videos on YouTube where someone's taken, like, the technology where they can cut the shake out of the cameras. They've stabilized oh, the yeah. image of all the Star Trek thing where they're getting hit in the bridge shakes. So you just see the actors flinging themselves all over the place. It's <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny. I've I've seen it. It is. It's really good. There's uh, actually a lot of uh, a lot of uh, respect paid to Star Trek when you think about it. I mean, I very often see people talking about it and and you know um, you know maybe doing something. Uh, it kind of resembles that, but you know what they're you know they're honoring ultimately is is, is how good that show really was. And that's oh pretty, yeah, you know when you go to YouTube, uh, there's just eight million clips of especially the classic track. You know, clips of the classic track. Just actually, just before we we called in here, I was watching like someone had taken this episode and they'd edited it down to like ten minutes, and that one was really cool because I watched the mass remastered version then i watched the regular version and the version that this guy had edited it from was like channel 11 all the way it was just oh, faded cool. out and scratchy and stuff and so that, <laughs> and like all all the episodes of all the star trek shows are online now you can like watch them all online if you want to yeah. go to like star trek.com and stuff yeah, I always yeah. wonder why it's always Star Trek was always hugely popular, but it was always treated like it was like this underground sensation. Yeah, oh, I know it. And I know it. It's just, that is weird. Held together by just like these like total like live in your mom's basement nerds who never like <laughs> talked to anybody or or anything like that. And and I know it. in the meanwhile, like everybody in the world knows what Star Trek is. And watches it and loves it. So it's like, who are the, you know, who are the nerds, you know? <laughs> I know, right? It's funny. Cause it, and, and it's amazing. Uh, we were having a yard sale last weekend, and this girl stopped by, and she said that uh, um, she had some Star Trek stuff, and she was interested if I would wanted to buy it from her. And I was like, I, I it was kind of taken off. I thought to myself, wait a minute, I'm having the yard sale here. <laughs> you silly right. bitch, do you not know how this works? <laughs> yeah, you know, but she brought down and, and she had, I mean, just a ton of stuff, just a ton of stuff. So I got her phone number and stuff, and she hadn't, actually just lives on the other side of town, and I told her when I get the, some extra money, I'm going to get some of the stuff from her, but, uh, you know, cards, books, figures, unbelievable stuff that I have never seen. She said that her mother was an uh, original Trekkie. So, <laughs> yeah, I just thought that would be a little note. I'll keep you posted on, on what I get, and, and I'll send you some pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah, you bastard. <laughs> put, that, put, that stuff, <laughs> put that stuff in our Facebook group, definitely. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, man, now I want to see what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially as yeah. soon as I hear original Star Trek fan, that's all the stuff that I like, you know. I mean, uh, I see lot, lots of, like, action figures and stuff, but they'll be, like, from Voyager and stuff, and I don't know who the hell those people are. What the yeah, hell? I never followed those ones. I mean, yeah. I'm just a diehard original 
original per person. So I'm going to rein us back in a little bit. Okay. Get us back on. Did you have any more specific notes, Chris, for this episode? Um, the only one that I really had was um, the widow at the end. Man, she's the most agreeable widow ever. <laughs> it's most, okay. Most of them I didn't at really least like get, him all that much. Yeah, most of them at least would get a slap into Kirk or something. Or, or, or something in their grief. But she's just like, ah, no, that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know? Yeah, but it's Kirk. She, she knows that some comfort's coming, you know what oh, I'm saying? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny myself, too, and... Um... But, you know, what's funny is, is kind of goofy as that scene could be considered. I really like the fact that, and, and, and uh, I love the music. I like how he came in the yeah. room. You know, he's just standing there, and it's kind of, I mean, you can see him a little bit, but it's almost like his silhouette in that music plays. And I always love that music, that, that section they play in the end. Yeah. And he walks in, and, and you're right, though, Chris, I, I kind of lean towards... I think they could have made that scene a little bit more, I don't know what the word would Dramatic be. or something? Yeah, yeah, you know? I mean, it was good, but I, I, I do agree. I think that they definitely could have uh, done something a little bit different to make it a little bit more dramatic. But maybe she had already grieved, and who really knows, you know? Had a good but cry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny how she kind of just walks out and... She's over him. <laughs> I, I, I think maybe like McCoy doped her up with sedatives or something. You know? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Whoever she is, she sure talks gloomy. Hard <laughs> <One more> time. <laughs> well, uh, I've got quite a number of notes on this one here. Oh, um, like. Like you guys, I really dig this one. I really do. Um, I don't know if anybody said it yet, but I feel it bears mentioning. First episode with the Romulans. Yep. So uh, this one this one kind of set the template for what the Romulans would, would be like. And uh, we never saw a whole lot of the Romulans on the original Star Trek, but of course you'd get a bunch of them on, uh, on Next Gen. And pretty much they were always like this, and I like that. The badasses. Uh, they, they, they changed like too much. The mysterious badasses. I gotta yeah. be honest. I always liked the Romulans a hell of a lot more than I liked the Klingons. Yeah. I, I always did. I just always found the Romulans to be that much more interesting than uh, than the Klingons. I agree with Randy. I love the music in this episode. Love, love, love this one. This was one of the few episodes that I had actually um, audio taped off of CKWS when we were kids. So watching this episode again after so many years was a treat because about halfway through the episode, I must've started taping it late when I taped it, but about halfway through the episode, suddenly I was like, Oh my God, I can quote this. Cause I had just listened to it so many times, but evidently I had missed like the opener of the show or something. Uh, but I really, really liked the, the music in this one. And do you guys think Kirk just seems a lot more serious in this one? There's really not too much of the of the Shatner hamminess in this it's one. It's early seems, on, that's why. Yeah, but he just seems much more. I mean, you know, you got to remember though, Enemy Within, which is Kirk at his absolute hammiest, is before this episode. Yeah, so. but that's extreme circumstances. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that I I find there to be such strong parallels between this and Star Trek Two. Because 
uh, what's his name, Nick Meyer, kind of wore Shatner down by kept making him retake scenes and retake scenes until he kind of weeded out the Shatner hamminess. Uh-huh. I don't know. I Warm doubt down. that's the case with this here, but the the delivery is much the same. He's he's much more subdued and i like that he, he seems much more serious for not being quite as hammy in this one and i think it plays really well well i, I was just gonna say you know, i i think that looking at it from that perspective i mean i i like it i i mean i love the you know the the enemy within and those things but i i like that he could do those roles and be believable in all those different facets and i like this one because i agree kind of I don't know. He he gives you that almost like that patriotic feeling that everything's going to be okay. We can mm-hmm. count on him. He really is that strong leader. And and I really, that's why I do. I like the music in the end because it's like, I'm a leader, but I'm here for you too. And I, and I do care about you, you know, and, and, and they could have just left it as, you know, he died and he didn't do anything, but you know, he wrapped it up in the end by going and, and you know, kind of trying to, supporter and say hey look you know um yeah his, his service is appreciated you know so i thought it was really cool yeah right definitely seems like someone you know who enjoys his job and that's putting it mildly you know he yeah he thought he's thought about what what it is to be a captain and he's like i'm going to be every aspect of it you know whether it's the the hard strong leader who can yell at somebody or you know, or comfort the bereaved widow, however that has to yeah. be done, I don't, I don't know. Gonna, possible. I'm going to take one exception with what you said, though, about him loving the job, because one thing that, that I really like in this episode, I've often found it a little bit strange in this episode, is that there's a scene in this one that I, I think it's one of the scenes that really makes the episode, but it, it almost feels out of character and it's the scene where he's in his quarters and McCoy, you know, first Rand comes in and talks to him and then McCoy comes in and talks to him and he admits that he'd rather be somewhere else. He'd be, rather be on a beach somewhere and not have this awesome responsibility. Oh, yeah. And that really takes me back to the cage with Captain Pike. Mm. And I almost wonder if someone, whoever wrote this episode or whoever envisioned this episode maybe had that in mind because Pike himself was very no nonsense. There's really not many moments in, in the episode that we get with him where, you know, he's definitely not hammy like Shatner, but he's not, he's not joking around. He's not cutting up. It's a very serious episode, a very serious portrayal. And I see parallels between those two in this Kirk is pretty no nonsense in this one, but when he kind of lets his guard down, he admits to his friend McCoy, you know, that, you know, I, I have my doubts about this situation. You know, I'm, I'm kind of getting, uh, he's I, just I'm trying weird. to tease some alcohol out of him. <laughs> like, yeah, here, have some of this. <laughs> this shit will hook you right up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Picard, well, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just to say, this was the one, too, where I don't recall before, and I, I don't even know if they ever talked about it afterwards, but uh, the word bigotry. Right, yeah. You know, he, he told uh, uh, the kid on the, the styles there, you know, there'd be no bigotry. Mister. Mister. <laughs> I like how he spins him around, too, because the guy has fear <laughs> in his eyes when he does it. 
<laughs> I know it's funny. He spins his chair around there. Well, there won't be no bigotry on the bridge, mister. <laughs> Spin him around and dump his ass out on the floor. Usually, yeah, he was being mild on him. Usually Kirk spins him around and grabs him by the back of the head. <laughs> and flings him across the room. <laughs> That's always a good way to know somebody has, you know, you have their attention as you grab him by the back of the head. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and call That's- him mister. There's an episode of Next Gen, and I, I want to say it might be the one where, um, what's his name from DS9, um, the Chief, gets married, but I can't remember. But anyway, there's a there's an episode of uh, Next Gen where there's a wedding during the course of the episode, and Picard is officiating and delivers uh, part of the same speech that Kirk delivers at the beginning of this one as a nod to the original series. I always thought that was pretty cool. Um, I like Spock's little history lesson that he gives about the Romulans, but man, did this tie the hands of Enterprise later on when, uh, you know, when that series came out, because of course they wanted to have the Romulans in there late in the, in the history of that show. Not, I'm not sure if it was third or fourth season, but they, uh, they wanted to bring the Romulans in as a threat and they, and they were kind of ramping them up and they, they, showed over time that they were actually kind of shadow players. Like they were in the background of some of the things that were going on. But of course they wanted to be faithful to Star Trek history. So every confrontation that they had, the the enterprise crew and the Romulans couldn't actually meet face to face. The, the, the Starfleet people could never know who the Romulans were, what they look like or anything like that. And I'm sure, you know, nobody could have ever envisioned, you know, when they were making this episode, you know, so far into the future and, and, you know, everything that would come along. But it really did kind of tie their hands later on because it, it creates the, the feeling in this episode that Kirk and crew and the kind of ship that they're on, that this is all pretty new stuff to us. You know, it's a new kind of technology that just a century ago, you know, they didn't have view screens and they they weren't able to do all these sorts of things. And that's just that's interesting to me that, you know, so it it almost seems like historically, like Enterprise just doesn't really fit into that timeline, which I guess has been a lot of the. Well, there's been a a lot of complaints about that. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what do you guys think about the death scenes of, of Hansen and the Romulan commander? Because I, as much as I love this episode, both their death scenes are really goofy. Because you see the explosion and everything, and they have their little, their little like, and they fall off the screen. And then immediately it fades out, and the thing that they were on was destroyed. Well, if, if that was them dying, then why aren't we seeing, like, fireballs and explosions and, you know... You, you get nothing. You see them, ha- yeah. you know, Hanson does his little quiver and then the screen goes dark and the asteroids. It's like, where was the big, f- you know, what was he quivering from? It looked like he was having a heart attack or something. Maybe. It didn't look like he was going up in a fireball. Yeah. And then the Romulan commander does the same thing. He throws himself off the screen and then that's it. It's like, where's this big ball of flame and you know it's it's pretty cheesy i mean maybe that's just the way romulans fake their death they like throw a lever and then go throw themselves off screen and slowly (laughs) crawl away and transport away 
I agree I, with you, Scott. I thought the death scenes were pretty weak. Pretty goofy. I thought that yeah. they would they would ramp those up with the uh, with the enhancement you know part of the of the enhanced episodes, but they didn't. Nope. Unfortunately, I, I wish there was a way that they could go back in and I don't know, like digitally throw some fire in there or something, just to make it look a little better. Have him melt like the guy in the end of Raiders of Lost Ark or something. something <laughs> right. Like Come on. Yeah. But you know, be- between the the cheesy death scenes, and I'll tell you, here here was the breaking point. My wife was watching the episode with me and kind of digging it. You know, for all its cheese and everything, she was kind of you know she was Getting going up. along with it. And then the Enterprise gets hit by the fireball, and as Randy pointed out, everybody goes one way. Ahura, stupid bitch, falls the wrong way. Right, falls up screen. That's yeah. the point where my wife looked up, looked over at me, gave me the look, and mentally checked out. It's like, I'm it's out. Like, okay, yep, I'm done. And I was like, damn it, stupid yeah. Ahura. Yeah. It was strange, you know? Just so, so out of place. You know, it is out of place, but it happens in a lot of episodes, I've lot. noticed. Oh, where it does. It's always does. some one dumbass that falls the wrong way. Almost every time they get they do a scene like that where they tilt the bridge, well, one person falls the wrong way. And I'm sure it had a lot to do also with them not having enough money to go, take two. Right, exactly. They're just like, oh, ah, we'll yeah. shake the camera a little extra and it'll be all right. <laughs> Nobody will notice. <laughs> and, you know, it's this is this is forty or fifty years down the line, and it's, they're all like cleaned up and everything, and we're watching them on. You can we can freeze frame stuff now. Oh yeah, yeah, I freeze framed on the book that uh, they have during the the briefing scene there, just so I could see the name on the book, which was super cheesy, by the way. It was um, instead of co- a table of contents, it was table of comets. Oh, and I'm God. like, is it a joke? I yes. mean, but you'd never be able to. Because nobody was going to read it on your exactly. little black and white TV from Channel exactly. Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because my <laughs> wife asked me at some point during the episode, she goes, "Is Shatner wearing eyeshadow?" And I said, "He probably is." And yeah. she just kind of gave me this look, and I'm like, "But you got to remember, tiny little shitty black and white fuzzy TV screen in the '60s. You're not going to see that sort of thing." Yeah. It, we've right. gotten so spoiled by having these things in crystal clear. Well, you can HD. see every like little piece of dirt that's stuck in their pores nowadays. Right. You know? Yeah, I know. That's the thing, and and we do we get spoiled by that. So some of the some of the cheese gets cheesier because you can see it yeah. in that much more incredible <laughs> detail than we ever could before. So that's funny. You know, it's it's especially great when you've got fight scenes between say well, like yeah. Kirk and Khan, for example. There's there's entire sequences that go by where neither one of them is the well, goddamn. They, they always they always say you know oh we cleaned it up and you can see all this stuff that you never saw before but some of that stuff they were counting on you not seeing you right, know, exactly. it was not meant yeah. to be seen at all yeah yeah that the guy you know the stunt double for Kirk is you know thirty pounds heavier 20 yeah, and like you can see the straps on his <laughs> you can see like kind of the straps on when he's when he's got his uh whatchamacallit on his uh jock well well what would he corset on you know to hold it his gut <laughs> you know after season after season two no you know? tell you're looking at <laughs> yeah you weren't supposed to be looking at his nads <laughs> the shatner gut buster <laughs> Not the Shatner Nutbuster. That's a different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, we mentioned earlier that uh, that the Romulan commander would go on to play uh, Spock's father in another episode. 
you know, here's here's an antiquated trivia question, but I, you guys remember, I'm sure you guys remember this. There was that fake set of uh, of trivia cards that I had that were like they they weren't produced by Trivial Pursuit, but they were made to like play with the Trivial Pursuit board. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there were a lot of those different sets. Yeah, I, I had a set that was Star Trek original series. And they were out, they were released around the time that Star Trek III The Search for Spock was out because some of the questions were actually from that movie. And I can remember there was one of the trivia questions was, um, what's the one actor that's played all three major races in Star Trek? Of course, today, there'd be debates about, well, what are the three major races because we've had so many shows. But back then, of course, all you had was just this series. And that was Mark Leonard. He played... Of course, the Romulan commander here, he plays Sarek, Spock's father, later. And then he also was the uh, Klingon commander that dies right in the beginning of Star Trek, the motion picture. The the one that gets sucked up by V'ger. That's him. He's in heavy makeup and you don't recognize him, but that's him. I always thought that was really cool. And then... Yeah, uh, that, that is cool. The, Aren't I, there four I, major races if you count humans? You'd think. Well, that's true. I, well, I guess it was major alien, alien races. races yeah. Looking at it, he played a horda oh, oh. too. <laughs> the yeah, other uh, <laughs> a horda. <laughs> what, was wasn't he the wasn't he the Magatu? Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, like the Magatu. Um, there was another guy in here that looked familiar to me, and I, I had to cheat and look him up because I kept looking at him going, I've seen this guy in some other TV show. Well, the other TV show I saw him in was Star Trek. The, the, the um, I don't know what he is, a centurion or whatever they call themselves. One of the other, one of the henchmen, the one that comes up and gets scolded by the commander and he reduces him in rank and sends him back to his post. Um, he actually plays Stan the woman that uh, Spock's fiance is throwing him over for yeah. uh, in a mock time. Oh, yeah. And I noticed that. He's yeah. just like, he gets to be the spurned wannabe in like every episode he's in. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, down two ranks. I don't know how much truth there is in it, but when I, when I looked it up to see who he was, because it was bugging me, I was looking at him and going, man, I know I've seen this dude before. And then when I was reading all about him and everything, evidently uh, they were keeping uh, this guy. They kept having him back and stuff, and they were keeping an, you know keeping in contact with him in case um, Nimoy didn't stick around or whatever. Oh, he was kind right. of contingency plan if they ever like needed another Vulcan or something like that. So I thought that was interesting. Do you notice that Spock doesn't need the book? I, I love that scene when they're in the briefing scene. And Spock, uh, Kirk asked Spock a question about something. I don't know, the Earth outpost. Or no, about the comet. That's what it was, about the comet. And he starts to hand him the book. And Spock just puts his hand on top of the book and, like, forces it down to the table. Like, I don't need the book. Yeah. It's very subtly done. There's not really a lot of attention called to it. But I really love that scene because then it cuts to a reaction shot from the other people that are present at the, at the briefing. And you can just see spot, uh, Scotty has this little smirk. Like that's pretty cool. Spock, you know, yeah. he just, you know, a little, little Scotty can probably do that too with technical manuals. That's right. Yeah. Was smiling. I agree with you about the comment. The comment looked really good. That was, uh, that was the one really good piece of enhancement in this episode. But like I said before, it's, uh, one of the things that's always bugged me about this one is I, I don't think the, of course, 
See, the thing is, this I love this episode, but it's really obvious that this is an early first season episode because it, it has some of that general wonkiness that a lot of the early first season episodes have because they hadn't fully fleshed out how the universe worked quite yet. And I think that's evident in the way the phasers are portrayed in this thing. Because for one, for one thing, it takes like a half an hour to fire the goddamn phasers because yeah. you call 15 people. Okay, push the button. Okay, button pushed. Okay, we're going to fire the phasers. All right, we're getting prepared. And it's like, Jesus, just push the button and fire the goddamn phasers already. <laughs> and then when they fire them, it's not even the phasers. It's the photons. Do you notice that? It, it, yeah. it makes the same sound and has the same effect as the photons. Of course, they hadn't invented, I, I don't think, they had invented right. the photons yet. But it, it, that, became the phot- yeah, that became the photons. So that's really what they're doing is they're... They say they're firing a spread, but really what they're doing is they're firing a, a, a photon that goes off and has like a like a blast radius, you know, like a uh, it's almost like using depth depth charges in space, which I'm sure was the intent because this is a, you know basically a sub battle type of movie, or you know it, it plays like a, one of those sub battle movies. There's there's a famous one that this is modeled after, and I can't think of what the name of it is. It's like Enemy Below or something like that that they kind of modeled the feel of this episode on. And that's the part where it really feels like it to me is when it looks like they're, they're doing the depth charges kind of thing to kind of smoke out the enemy. But I I like it. I think it's cool and I'm not trying to make fun of it, but it's just every time I watch this, having seen so much, you know, Trek beyond this point, it plays a little wonky because it doesn't quite hold up to the way the universe works later on when it's more fully established. Do you notice Spock's kind of a prick in this one? He's kind of a prick a lot in the early days because I think they didn't play up his human aspect as much, so he was more, you know... I mean, you can see the extreme that he that he pared down from, from um, you know, the pilot, the, the right. first pilot where he was shouting everything when he was on the bridge, <laughs> like there was yeah. engines to yell over or something, but... There's still a little of that going on in here, but not. It's starting to tone down, but he still hasn't quite developed his character yet. You know. One thing I noticed in this is that after you get the big dramatic reveal that oh my god, the Romulans look just like Vulcans. Next time you watch this episode, make note of the fact that it really looks in several scenes like Spock is going out of his way to antagonize Styles just to piss him off, and it's actually really funny. Because there's a scene, I think it's as they're coming back from a commercial break, the the camera angle is, of course, shooting across the console where Styles is sitting, like towards Kirk, towards O'Hara station. Spock comes over, puts one hand on Styles' station and the other hand on the back of his chair, like he's looking over his shoulder at the view screen. And he's like inches from the guy knows the guy hates him and thinks that he's a spy and it's like he's doing it just to antagonize him and i'm thinking when the hell in any other episode does spock get physically close to another workman you know another crew member like that he doesn't and so it really comes across like he's doing it just to get a rise out of this guy and it's i think it's hysterical i get the biggest kick out of it like what a prick you know (laughs) um that's pretty much all i got on this i I just i thought it was worth mentioning you guys were talking or randy i think mentioned at the beginning that he wished that uh 
<laughs> Styles had died in this one. In the James Blish novelization, Styles does die. He was actually uh, now. I haven't read this. I'm getting all this from something I was looking at, but uh, uh, evidently in that book, Styles is actually the second officer of the Enterprise. But he dies at the end of this story instead of Tomlinson, the the young guy that was getting married at the beginning of the episode. So why they changed it, I don't know. But uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting that. You know, it makes it makes Styles sound a lot more important than he actually comes off in this episode as just you know kind of a kind of a bear claw. And so far as I'm aware, I think that's it for him. I don't think we ever see Styles again. So he ended up you know washing latrines or something on some starbase or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, what's funny too is I've seen it, and I'm I'm pretty sure it happens in more than one episode. But I haven't watched enough of them lately to really, you know, be certain on it. But I know you guys would know is uh, when Styles offers his services down in engineering, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes down there and then uh, uh, Spock tells her to go do navigation. And I was thinking to myself when they did that, I thought, well, you know, it's implied that they all could probably do interchangeable jobs and all that. But. You know, it's just funny to think about it. I mean, here's a communication specialist. Now, all of a sudden, she's navigating the Enterprise. It's just strange, you know? It is strange. The only the only way I could know prize that, I guess, is that, uh, you know, maybe as they, you know, because by this time, by the time you're on the bridge, you know, you're an officer, you, you've worked your way up different positions and stuff. So I guess it's theoretical that she had some sort, maybe she came from oh, navigation yeah, or something. You know what I mean? I mean, that's my yeah. only no prize. And the only reason I say that is there is an episode, which uh, it's the one where they've all got the itchy palm disease. You know, they, they got the hairy palms yeah. there and they're, they keep scratching <laughs> themselves. There's yeah. a point where um, somebody wigs out. And Kirk drags him off out of their chair, and then he grabs her, her and he goes, "Take the helm." And she goes, "Sir." And she goes, "Take the helm," and he throws her into the chair. <laughs> At least I think that's a her, isn't it? In that scene, I think so. Yeah, because I, I think it is. There's. Yeah. there's uh... Um, you know, a couple different times where there's different people at, at the helm there, and um, you know, as a matter of fact, I think there's another time where there's a, a different female that's uh, yeah. But it's just it's funny, you know, because like you said, it just it you know it, it, it's reasonable to think that they're all trained and could kind of interchange on their duties, but it's just it's funny how that happened where it's just all of a sudden. He's going to go down and help out because he's training that other. <laughs> Takes the phone operator off of her seat and puts her flying the spaceship. It's just fantastical. <laughs> well, it's funny, too. But I mean, you know, yes, it is much more important that you don't fly into a planet or a sun or something. So I can see where that's the more important job. But at the same rate, having somebody answer the goddamn telephone if an alien calls you up is pretty important, too, so that's probably not <laughs> the person that you want to pull off duty, you know? I know it. It's, it's funny. <laughs> awesome stuff, though, you know? Oh, I, I, I do. I really do dig this episode a lot. I, you know, I, I can make fun of just about any of the episodes, but oh, it doesn't yeah. for many less. I, I truly love this one. I think this is a classic. I think this is a great episode to give to somebody that, 
you know, wants to discover star, you know, classic Star Trek. You know, if you ever have somebody, because I've been asked this question a lot, especially you know, as people started to discover Star Trek through, say, the newer, you know, the newer films that are coming out, asking, you know, if if I was going to go back and check out the old series, you know, what what episodes would you recommend? And there's certain key episodes that I would recommend. This one is high on that list because generally speaking it it doesn't have some of the sillier or cheesier star trek tropes i mean some of them are there but most of those are are you know inherent problems that you have when you make a a show like this on a shoestring budget yeah it's it does it's not performance the performance in this i think is is top notch i think everybody's really bringing their a game with this one except with the possible exception of nimoy who just qu- doesn't quite have Spock down yet as a character, but uh, but yeah, I think this one plays really well, both as a as a true classic and also one that's uh, that's accessible to new people that want to kind of you know try out TOS. It's a good one. It's a good one where you get to see Kirk on the ship, being doing all the captain things. You know, he's fighting a battle. He's running the crew. He's philosophizing. He's comforting widows, you know. He's he's he's, um, and he's diffusing a intergalactic situation, you know, or solving you know, a, a major problem, because it's really set up that like once trouble starts in the you don't want to tr- start trouble in the neutral zone, you know. Right. It's just good, you know. Any little conflict here can could. St- you know, start a, a war and he's just, and he's, he's brave enough to start firing shots, you know, instead of being it, you know, that Picard would have been, uh, handled this situation much differently. Right. Maybe he wouldn't have come out on top either. <laughs> right. It's, it's sort of, it's sort of a pure Kirk episode, which I'm always all for. Yeah, that that's what I like about it too. Is I'm, I mean, I love Star Trek. I love all the characters, but my you guys, I think, know Kirk oh, yeah. has always been my favorite. You know, and I just think I, I love it. I, I just, I, you know, I'll take all the flaws and and I'd watch it over and over again because it's just it's a great episode. It's got you know anything you like. I, I agree with you, Scott. I think that you know this is one of the ones that. You know, would pull people in. Um, yeah, and it had good story and and all the you know nonsense uh, uh, that it had in it. It was also when you take it for what it's worth, it's it's really good. And and I enjoyed it. it I hadn't watched that episode in quite a while. Well, are we ready to uh, fire up pick our episode for next time? Fire up the old computer. I got it going. <clears throat> oh, Jesus, it's smoking this blue, black, greasy smoke. <laughs> oh. All right. Ooh, the speed limit. I, I don't know. Maybe actually it might be the old speed limit. 55. 55. I don't think we have done this one yet. At least it's not crossed off the list. Uh-oh. Number 55 is Assignment Earth. Have we done this one? Oh no! This is the one with Terry Gar and um, yes, Mister What's the oh, Flake, Gary Seven. Gary Seven. That's it. Yes, it would, it would I always be a call spin-off. him Steve. Steve McQueen. <laughs> I, it's not really Steve McQueen, but it sure as he hell sure looks, looks like, like him. Steve McQueen. Yeah, and yeah, Terry Gar. 
good episode. I enjoy that one. You like that one? I do. I do. You think you think he can make it when we uh, when we sit down to do that one next time? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. All right, we'd love to have you back. Oh man, I get to do photoshops with Terry Gar in that miniskirt. I was just reading <laughs> that book that Scott that Scott Rifen, uh recommended to me. The uh, what was it? Inside Star Trek by two of the producers, and they had the story of when Terry Gar came in for that episode, and Gene Roddenberry did his usual like um, wardrobe check on her, and had to like be like, yeah, I got to shorten that skirt about three inches. <laughs> she was a beautiful. Oh yeah, I like Terry like Gar. She's in an episode of Mash too. That's really funny. Oh, I didn't know that. I gotta find that. Yeah, yeah. She's in an episode of uh, one of the early, early seasons of Mash. Oh, she's so when done. she was young. Yeah, I think if I remember, I think she's a love interest of Hawkeye, but I don't remember for sure. But yeah, yeah, I, I like Terry Gar. I always thought she was a really pretty lady. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.